Marketing 99% Podcast with your host, Andy Cove, sharing excellent marketing. Subscribe now. In this episode of the podcast, I speak to Scott Millwood, Marketing Director at Matt Burton Associates. And we talk about excellent content marketing and how to achieve significant results through organic marketing. Please enjoy. Hi, Scott. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. No worries. Uh, Scott is the marketing director at Matt Burton Associates, so uh, marketing recruitment, um, and had an organic reach of 12 million last year on LinkedIn. So we're here to talk about excellent content marketing. Um, so hopefully we've got to... Uh, it's, 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 it's questionable what you call excellent. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, the, we had a conversation last week and... Um, a big part of what we were talking about is splitting opinions with content. So do you want to just start off with talking about kind of great content and what, what that looks like in 2020? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, talking about what great content is, we talked about dividing opinion um, being one of the the facets to great content, typically. Mm-hmm. Um I think it, great content has to be personal to you as well. Um, a lot of people uh, see people like myself or other people who are getting big numbers and they try and imitate that tone of voice or they try and um, imitate the style or the, the type of content, be it video or text post or um, more graphic design heavy content and they go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in that way. Um, but the reality is, is that you probably need to try lots of different styles of content to see which fits best for you um and it will the the most successful type of content will probably relate to your closest set of skills i'm personally a writer so so written blog type content works best for me but some people uh, love video content and and that works really well for them they get some really great numbers um but i think before talking about how to get great content um that's quite uh um it's almost like a jump, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's like a jump, yeah. isn't it? Like um, the, the problem. I think it's best to focus on what's good content because if you have a level of content which is of a good standard, you get, you're getting 100, 200, 300 likes consistently on all of your posts, you're going to get that great piece of content which goes really viral because it's not for, for us to decide as individuals whether the content's great. It's for the market to decide, which is the great leveling factor of LinkedIn. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can create good, consistent content, you'll start. You'll have a few gems every year or something, which will which will really fly for you. That's what I would say. And what what sort of gems have you had in the past that you think? What do you think was the secret ingredient to to those gems? Do you think it was splitting that opinion, or do you think it was just right time, right place, or? Um, as cliche as it sounds, it's going to be a combination of um, all of the above. Um, yeah with content that has gone viral for myself um i've known it's a good piece of content but mm-hmm. typically the content i've put out i i never think one piece of content is, is generally better than another piece there could be something which got 80 likes the, um, a couple of days before and then one gets you know ten thousand. but it's just because you've hit 
the topic at the right time. You, you, you've divided opinion the right way. You've said something different. You know, the presentation might be great. You might have said something interesting, something funny, um, and, and it's just pulled away. Um, typically, you don't know why that is. Um, but mm. if you're getting content which consistently gets 100, 200, 300 likes, you're doing something right. And if it is that big piece of content, it will it will drive off on its own steam. Um, but you need to consistently produce content which you feel is of the same level. And then it's for the market to decide whether it is great or not. Um, mm. And I think for me, it's you've just said something different. You've opened up a new debate. And that's where... yeah. Uh, where you've where you've really struck gold but i've been surprised by some of mine that have, have <laughs> yeah of their own um but that's that's just from consistent um engagement with the platform and mm-hmm. you know looking at those nuances and looking where can you add something different yeah great and when and when you're looking to build a kind of tone of voice for yourself or a client where where do you typically start with that um i would say that practice unfortunately you need to post you need to start posting really um you need to um typically what i would i would do with people is it's do something called a brain dump where you sit with them and you understand um all the things that they want to talk about and and people say i want to talk about marketing i want to talk about recruitment i want to talk about selling my product or this thing in the market which i think is so radical and whatever and what people typically fail to um, grasp is that they're thinking about what they think other people want, mm. not what other people actually want. So mm. you have to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and go, what, what is interesting to my audience? And how can I put myself and my business and my products and service into those situations to yeah. bring context? That's the real goal there. And that's what people typically fail to understand is that they go, this is relevant for the market. And it's like, well, yeah, it is relevant, but how relevant is it to you? Why should your audience care? Um, and, and that's what people fail to grasp. Um, with tone of voice, I think you have to be comfortable with it. Mm. Um, people see the way that I talk and the way that I write. And my humor is that I like to make fun of myself, right? Yeah. And I talk local in my language. Um, but that is the same way in which uh, style in which I speak and the language patterns because I write how I speak. Um, if that is not genuine to you, I wouldn't try and do that because if you're, you know, Kevin from accounts and you're pretty dry and you're very corporate, I wouldn't suddenly go against your personality. Um, but if you, you, you can, you can have, you can have a a drier, more corporate stance and still produce great content. Um, someone like myself, because I'm a marketer. Um, you know, the stakes are even higher. I, I need to produce even better content to stand out against other marketers. Whereas if you're an accountant or you're a solicitor, because the barrier to entry is so low in, in terms of the create the creativity aspect, yeah. you can go 10% above the line and be radically innovative and cool in your sector. So mm-hmm. I think you have to take um, stock of what your sector is and, and your position and what you're comfortable with and then go 10% above that line, and that's where you start, and then you just see how people react to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think when it comes to tone of voice as well, personally, when when I was kind of developing my content, the, the more it was away from my comfortable um, 
my level of comfort, it was the harder it was for me. Yeah, so yeah. when I started writing in my own tone of voice, it actually came a bit more natural. And it was, I was producing quicker content. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. How, it, 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 go on. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Um, how do you know which platform is is right for you? So LinkedIn's really hot right now. Um, yeah. What? Where Where do you start when looking for the right platform? Um, it's it's a difficult question. It, it completely obviously depends on your personality. It depends on your industry, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to sell. Um, I've come to LinkedIn pretty late in the game. Uh, I started about a year ago uh, with producing content, and I got 12 million views within about 12, 12, 13, 14 months now. Yeah. So yeah, that that's how long I've been using LinkedIn for proper marketing BD purposes. Um, my background is I had a, a fashion business uh, myself, which I started out of university and yes. sold that a few years later, uh, which was um, really successful due to content marketing on Snapchat, um, Instagram and Facebook um, mm-hmm. and using the organic reach on those platforms and then driving in paid um paid campaigns on Google and PPC and all that sort of standard stuff. Um, but I was selling a uh, consumer product. So going on Facebook and Instagram made a lot of sense. Whereas if you're selling a professional services service um, product, it makes a lot more sense to sell that on LinkedIn. Um, so it, it depends It depends what you're selling. If I'm selling, yeah, it's a question. I'm selling, <laughs> selling clothes, you know, I'm, not, I'm yeah. probably not going to create a LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not going to be driving engagement and sales via that. Whereas it depends with, I think it's whether it's consumer or or business, yeah. B2B, B2C. Um, my personal preference, um, I've consulted in B2C and B2B. My personal preference is B2B because the creativity level in the B2C market um, and the data, it's very data metric heavy in the B2C market because, mm-hmm. you know, you're running content campaigns linked to sales straight away. Whereas yeah. in B2B, it can be around awareness and market penetration, whereas it's sales straight away. That's all it is. You know, if you're running a, you know, a content, content campaign on Instagram and you're selling a product yeah. direct to the consumer, you're going to be judged on your sales straight away. So you don't have any time to build a brand. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. But in terms of um, most people that are big in terms of pushing uh, content marketing on LinkedIn are looking to build personal brand for themselves to leverage their business or the product or service that their business sells. So yeah. um, I think everyone's really on the same page with, with why they're trying to do that. Great. And um, obviously you, you consult for people looking to build LinkedIn profiles and things like that. How and we spoke last week about some objections you might come across that you know sometimes that a CEO doesn't maybe want to put a certain piece of content out because he doesn't feel like uh, he thinks it's too much. Yeah. Um, how do you know when it's too much? I and mean, how do you overcome those objections, either kind of um, for your customers, or how do you overcome those objections in your head where you where you're not quite comfortable? Well, I think it. So there, there is a line which um, a client or individual new to this will need to overcome. Um, but there's also a line to which you need to respect the boundaries of what's acceptable in the market and what's acceptable um, for that person. You know, um, if, if a piece of content goes against um, your line of um, 
morality comfort you know where, where you want to sit and how you want to be perceived if it goes against that you know the content's not right for you um you don't have to be completely edgy in order to get your point across um but also you have to be willing to push the boundaries in order to drive engagement and say something different yeah. because if you're sitting very very safe you're typically never going to say something um different to what other people have um i said earlier that um a lot of one of the big elements of great content is dividing opinion and creating new opinions off the back of content. Um, and typically the people, the, the biggest concerns of people around content is, Oh, what, what if someone says this, what if someone, you know, comments that, or, you know, what if they perceive it in this way? Yeah. If content, which is written correctly, the um, analysis of that will have been, um, done previously so here's a really good example of that so um nike um a few years ago uh, do you remember a guy called uh, colin kaepernick uh, the american football player who uh, took a knee uh, during the yes. american national anthem against trump yes. yeah so um nike um announced him as uh, a global ambassador and fronted up one of their new um marketing campaigns yeah. um and all across america uh, you had people that were radically against um, the movement that he was a part of burning night products in the street mm. and, you know, burning, you know, burning products, you know, we'll never buy from Nike again, all this sort of stuff. And yet Nike's sales dramatically increase off the back of that campaign mm. because they've done an analysis of who was their target market, who, who are their buyers and, their buyers yeah. supported Colin Kaepernick and what he stood for. So when they came out and supported him, they were gaining more admiration from their target market, which drove more sales. So mm -hmm. the people that were massively against them weren't really their, their core customers. So they were comfortable with dividing opinion based on an educated um, not guess, but an educated um, decision in order yeah. to support um that person yeah um, and the same thing happened with tiger woods when he won uh the masters last year um obviously a lot of people over the years for you know different uh indiscretions that he done he, he's done over the years for Nike to drop him and all that sort of stuff and they launched the campaign off the back of tiger winning the masters and again they sold more golf equipment and made more money um because they were seen to you know still support him through everything yeah. that's happened and you know the zero to nothing story um, yeah. you know is compelling so good, good content and dividing opinion is is educated in terms of um where it's going to be divided so when i produce content um i know what the you know the other side of the argument would be and where that discussion would come from. But also you need that in order to drive the content because if everyone's wildly positive, there's not really any debate. There needs to be constructive argument on both sides, which drives the engagement. So you do want it to a certain degree, but it just needs, you need to be educated. But people that are doing this for the first time come out and just say radical <laughs> things. Those are the people that haven't looked at that data beforehand. Um, yeah. so it, it's something that you really need to consider great and thanks for those examples they're really good examples um on some quick fire questions for you um and this can be kind of content related or a bit wider in, in marketing what um what brands inspire you right now and what do you think they're doing right 
Um, so obviously the situation we're in um, at the moment, um, yeah. I think the business, that, so I do a lot of um, employer branding uh, work as marketing director for our recruitment clients to help them mold better employer brands, become more appealing, you know, more easier for us to recruit staff for them and yeah. be more transparent, all that sort of stuff. And I think that the brands that inspire me at the moment are the ones that, one, stick by their employees, you know, they're not um furloughing their staff when they don't need to um or if they are furloughing the staff that you know they're paying them their full salaries um they're not asking for government bailouts there and they're also communicating with the market i think the ones that um are truly great places to work and you know it's not gimmicks it's not free lattes on a friday it's the ones that genuinely look out for their staff and the CEOs, which are doing a good job of that, are the ones that have this, it's called a glass box mentality. The ones mm-hmm. which are out there talking to the press, uh, they are out there or in their personal brands on LinkedIn, talking to the market saying, um, this is what our organization is doing. This is how we're doing it. This is why we're doing it. Yeah. Those are the businesses which I admire, especially at the moment, and they inspire me. The ones which I don't admire and don't inspire me are people like uh, you know, Weatherspoons is an yeah, example. That, that's you know. the example I was thinking of. Yeah, and it's at the forefront of everyone's mind where he hasn't supported his staff, which you know, all all staff and all of their customers are now going to think, well, you know, he hasn't supported yeah. his own staff, and you know, that's that's a terrible thing. So his brand reputation has gone through the floor, and yeah. I think at at this moment in time, the the great businesses to work for are great are the great businesses to work for they're not the ones with um, a slide in their office or um what you could perceive as benefits um because benefits don't make a great place to work a great place mm-hmm. to work is people that support you pay you and look out for you uh, mm-hmm. and you do the same in return so i think that um the brands that typically are more open um you think about um the, the best example of this for sort of CEOs would be um, so uh, Elon Musk. He's on Twitter. He's online. He's on LinkedIn. He's giving yeah. his opinion to the market. He's letting everyone know what Tesla, uh, SpaceX, all those companies are doing. You then look at Mark Zuckerberg from uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, no one really knows what his opinion is on anything because mm. he uses a, a black box approach where he, he sort of feels where he's mitigating risk by not really saying anything or just saying things by corporate channels. Um, Whereas if he had more of an opinion and more of a um, personality in the market, um, he would have greater respect. Um, Whereas, um, you know, people like Elon Musk, he has a lot of people, he does divide a lot of opinion with some things he says, but the people that do like him really support him because at least you can have an opinion on him. Whereas people like Mark Zuckerberg, who don't come out and say anything, you can't have an opinion on them. Yeah, definitely. Um, what tools and software should every marketer in your field be using? So is there any way to um, measure their, that reaction that um, you expect uh, anything that you can think of that would help? Yeah. Um, so firstly, as sort of a content marketer, first and foremost, um, I have I have a problem with software and strategy and all this stuff because people seem to think that there's something that you can buy which will make your results mm-hmm. so much better, right? Um, and one of the great things about um, content marketing is that you can test content marketing ideas and concepts and then if they work, you can then 
put money behind them. You can, you know, run extensive paid advertising campaigns. You can SEO that content really heavily if you know that it organically works. So with software, you know, you've got your Hootsuite auto scheduling tools and all that stuff. And people go, I'm going to fill up my content calendar for the next week and a half (laughs) without any regard for how that content's going to work. And, you know, are you not going to review how Tuesday and Wednesday went before you do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So, um, you know, you've got to analyze content as you do it and as the market reacts to it, because you'll learn something. Um, there are really great um, analytics tools such as uh, Shield. Uh, Shield is something which uh, integrates with your LinkedIn profile and basically gives you greater analytics than uh, LinkedIn will. So it gives you your post reach, your engagements, uh, your um, you know most view posts. It analyzes all that stuff for you. So it just gives you a better data library. Yeah. Um, however, that's it's more for you to keep, you know, it's like having a Fitbit. It will help you keep track of what you're doing, but it's not going to, the data, the data metrics won't inform so much um, what you're going to do. It's going to be a more yeah. of a, a qualitative analysis rather than quantitative mm-hmm. uh, in, in this respect. Um, but yeah, those, those are useful, um, but obviously take them with a pinch of salt and uh, try and have a look at what's going on outside of just the, the data analytics. Yeah. Um, where would you point marketers to um, any books, podcasts, websites, or anything like that to learn more about content marketing? Anything that you yeah. found useful? Um, I think being being involved in the being involved in the platform first and foremost. Um, so um, I, I can fully say that my engagement um, definitely increased the more that. I engaged with other people um, on the platform. So more people that I engaged with that were interested in the sort of content that I put out, I was engaging with content that interested me and commenting, adding to debate. And funnily enough, that's how you build relationships. So you engage in a conversation, have a debate on someone else's post, and then when you put out one, the same thing will come back to you. Um, I used to uh, manage influencers on Instagram. Mm. And these influencers would be categorized from, you know, 5 million plus all the way down to about two, 300,000. And they'd be categorized by industry. So beauty, health and fitness, lifestyle, home, whatever it might be. And basically, you know, you've heard about pods on LinkedIn and everyone's going crazy about pods. And pods have existed for five years, five, six years on Instagram, mm. um, YouTube, Facebook, especially. Uh, where people will comment and give comments um, when done in a more organic way that um, that helps build a community um, but you have to be interested in the content and actually create more debate if you just say great post Scott love it you know it's not it's not going to drive much um, interaction yeah it will share that to your network but it's not going to drive that much for you um, so I think a great tip is to engage with content that you enjoy um, because you'll learn more. Um, yeah. In terms of um, books, there's a great um, book uh, by a friend of mine, Dan Kelsall. It's called uh, Fucking Good Content. Um, he's also just released um, another book uh, the last few days uh, in order to raise some more money. Um, so check out Dan Kelsall's profile. He's a really great content marketer. He's based right. up in Manchester, the same as myself. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it breaks down the the BS that goes with content marketing and what people yeah. um, people try and get too tactical with it. And 
the the best place to start is to is to start um, courses. You know, you've got people like Chris Williams who do courses. You've got um, a friend of mine, uh, Mr. LinkedIn, um, Mark Williams, who's been on the platform for about twelve or thirteen years now, um, teaching people on how to use it. There's lots of people who um, provide courses and all those sort of things, but if you're engaging with those people buying their courses and those sort of things, you need to um, understand you probably need to um, be devoting a decent amount of time. There's nothing that those courses will teach you unless you open yourself up to that yeah. learning as well. But lots of cool influencers get out there, see who's getting big likes on their posts. Yeah. Uh, if you're in interested in them, you can also search on LinkedIn by hashtags, by topics. Mm. Um, so, um, my hashtags, I don't really like to do sort of topical hashtags. I make fun of my posts or what the nuance of what I'm saying by my hashtags, but you can search by uh, topics. So you could find the leaders in your industry via hashtags and via topics. So yeah. that's a good way just to fill your newsfeed with more stuff that you like, basically. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, where should where should people be spending uh, most of their time in content? So maybe it's the curation aspects um, or I know that you think quite deeply and spend quite a bit of time during that kind of thinking process. And yep. I think you said last week that each post is not just something that you quickly write. It's something you really think about. Yeah. So um, where, where would you be spending most of your time when, when you're creating content? Is it analysis afterwards or is it beforehand? So I, I would say beforehand really. Um, so, I, if I put out one post, I probably write three or I have three or four ideas. Um, so yeah. I'll brainstorm ideas of things I want, want to write, whether I hear something on the radio, I hear, I read something, I go, oh, that's a good topic. And I'll write out and I'll go, hmm, okay, where could I go with this? And then I keep expanding and then I go, this is, a, mm, is this point of view. I've written things where I've changed the point of view or the aspect of how I've written because it works better and different things like that. So I would spend your time writing out concepts of content how you want to approach things and when you've got two or three examples in front of you you'll be able to to go okay this is what i'm going to go with and sometimes I'll, I'll do one post and i'll go okay that's that's the post that's going to work really well i'll put it out on a tuesday doesn't do that great and the post which i didn't think was that good that i put out on a thursday went really well mm. it's because i'm looking at different topics and looking at different opinions and also you don't want to be um sort of uh pushed into a corner that you've got to talk about this one thing that you've worked on and whatever and and also the point is the content should not should be easy but it shouldn't be so difficult that it puts you off doing it and i think that's one of the reasons why most people don't do it is that they they fully don't have the time um that's why you have to write content as and when it inspires you and when when you feel like you've got something write it put it on notes record a voice note um that's what i do uh, and then it keeps track of all that stuff. You know, um, Adele writes her songs when she's drunk um, <laughs> because that's when she feels inspired, you know. So it's yeah. it's, it's, it's getting in, into that. Obviously, you have to analyse um, how things have gone. Yeah. Um, I, I had a sort of an sort of a epidemic curve in terms of the engagement on my own post when I first started out. But... Mm. Um, as I improved and analyzed more effectively, wrote uh, wider, more understood my tone of voice, my engagement increased um, yeah. on a proper bell curve um, because um, I was practicing more, I was analyzing what worked and what didn't. And, and that's what I would say that you need to spend your time on. 
and also um you know stay grounded don't get too down if your content's not working look at mm. why it's not working if you get a post that gets 10,000 um, likes you know great but you want your next post to get um you know a few thousand or a few hundred and you want to keep that no, line of engagement fairly steady you know going viral for the sake of it won't help you or your business mm. um, because they don't like you they like what you've said you know yeah. so that that's what you need to be conscious of um yeah. and, and, and try and uh, map that over a longer period awesome um so where where can people uh, find you if they want to hear more and uh, have you got any request of the audience uh, so i'd say my first request to the audience is to is to start is to start writing content whether that's video whether it's blogs whether it's graphic design leads uh, interviews, podcasting, um, I would say start. Um, mm -hmm. Also start to enjoy it um, because if you don't enjoy something, you won't stick with it. It's like going to the gym. It's like whatever. Um, that would be my request is to start see and, and see what the results are. And also don't be too afraid of what people think of you because you'd be drastically surprised as to how much people don't care about you or what you've said. <laughs> yeah. We all, we all have a higher... Um, we, we all think that people care more about what we say than what we do and what people will think. And, you know, most people won't have an opinion. They, mm. they won't like it, they won't dislike it. They'll be like, oh, okay. You know, so <laughs> don't, don't get too scared by what people might think or might say because that will scare you off from doing it. Yeah. Um, so I, that would be my request is for people to start. In terms of where you can find me, um, I have a, a podcast called uh, Thought Bubble. Uh, which is a podcast where um, I do similar to what we're doing today. Um, I speak to uh, thought leaders and I try and get outside of my own little bubble uh, and speak about topics that um, engage me and I think will engage other people. So I talk about mental health. Um, I talk about marketing. I talk about recruitment. Um, I talk about um, content creation. I talk about LinkedIn in general and, and just a really wide range of topics. Um, so if you want to know more about what I'm interested in, check that out. Um, also have a look at um, my profile uh, it's linkedin.com slash scott millward um, put a lot of different content on there and also a little plug uh, if uh, anyone wants some uh, recruitment stuff done uh, my uh, my business uh, that employs me uh, matt burn associates uh, we are a rpo recruitment process outsourcing business uh, so give us a shout if you need any support with your recruitment um, but it, yeah that's me that's where you can find me Awesome. And uh, just one final question to end. Um, what will make you excellent uh, in a single sentence or maybe paragraph in this area of marketing, if you just kind of summarize? What would make me excellent? Uh, the audience. Or oh, audience. The audience. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't got anything. Um, I think what will make you excellent is um, consistency. Um, you know, if you if you don't apply the correct principles consistently uh, you're not going to get the results and also um, brand building whether that's personal brand employer brand it's about um, over the long period um, it takes time for people to know you uh, people could see your posts three four times and still not really understand you um, I've had um, clients uh, come to me after seeing my post for six months and I didn't even know that they were engaging with it they weren't I didn't know they were consuming it and they went okay, here's a question. I'm going to reach out to you now because I now understand you are built relationships with people over six, nine, 12 months. It's not over the short 
short period. So, so real uh, personal brand is down to your, you know, you're better off a smaller audience fully understanding you and engaging with you rather than lots of people knowing not very much about you. So I would say consistency um, and applying your principles and, and, and trying to improve over a period of time, that will bring you the best results. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Scott. That's uh, okay. fantastic. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Right. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Marketing 99% podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please tag us on LinkedIn. Tell us what you thought of the episode. Please subscribe to the podcast for all the latest episodes. Thank you.